Uh, listen, we have been preparing for Christmas uh, by going through a few passages of the book of Isaiah that describe what the kingdom of God is like. And what we've been discovering over the past couple weeks is that this new kingdom of God is a place of peace. It's where what we looked at was that it was this place where the entire nature of the whole world is different as a result of this king that has come, right? Isaiah describes that there is this time that the lion will lay with the lamb, that they'll lay down together. The nature of everything is different. Isaiah describes this new kingdom to be a place of joy where there's no longer any sickness, there's no longer death, there's no longer mourning, that joy replaces all of those things. And in this next passage we're going to briefly look at, we're going to be looking at the hope that is in this kingdom. Now these passages are typically brought out around Christmas time because in the course of Christmas that we look at these passages is because during Christmas we're celebrating the king that comes who inaugurates and fills this kingdom, who brings it to the world. So to start off this morning, I have a question for you. You're just going to like think about it and then you're just going to raise your hand. That's how we're going to participate this morning. Um, question, is Die Hard a Christmas movie? Raise your hand for yes. Okay, we've got some people who are like, yes, it's a Christmas movie. I love that. Stacey, you're like, yes, it's a Christmas movie. Okay, now raise your hand if you're like, no, that's not a Christmas movie. Not, okay, raise your hand if you've never seen it. Okay, all right, good. Okay, so we're, we, we got some things. So the premise of Die Hard is Bruce Willis like rescues and saves like his wife, his ex-wife who's like in this building and he gets all bloody and gross and he shoots everybody, right? Totally Christmas movie. Just kidding. I don't know. I don't know. Here's the Christmas movie that I watched most recently. It's available on Netflix for download for Christmas travel if you would like to watch it. Um, it is called uh, Christmas With You. You can imagine what this movie is about. Um, I don't normally watch movies like this, but it caught my eye because the starring role is none other than Freddie Prince Jr., who when I, right? When I was in high school, heartthrob Freddie Prince Jr. In this movie, he's like, I don't even know how old he is, but I was like, what? Freddie, what has happened to you? Uh, listen, when I was in 10th grade, I would have a regular prayer that would be prayed that somehow me and Freddie Prince Jr., that our paths would be crossed, and then he would realize that we are desperately in love and meant to be together, right? So when I saw that Freddie Prince Jr. was in this movie, I was like, oh, I'm, I'm going to have to watch that. Now, what I saw in this movie, what this movie is about, it's exactly what you would expect it to be. Um, Amy Grace, who is an actress that I don't know, but Amy Grace and Freddie Prince Jr. make beautiful music and Christmas magic in this warm and cozy rom-com about a pop star who falls in love with a widowed dad. Now, I don't want to give the ending away, but... They may or may not kiss under the mistletoe at the end, right? Like this is, uh, this is, this is like our Christmas movies. This is our spirit of Christmas is what we talk about. This movies, all these movies try to, they really have the same plot. It's like a crazy, uh, possessed, driven woman who like is on a career path, falls in love with charming, cute guy who is like, let's roll around in the snow, right? That's what they're always about. And they always try to teach the true meaning of Christmas. That if you would just believe enough, 
if you would have enough love, if you would just find fulfillment in your home and in the close relationships that are right around you, then your problems will go away and you will magically, all the problems will magically be solved by Christmas morning and you'll fall in love. I mean, that's a part of it too. And that's oftentimes what we think a Christmas movie is, right? Unless you said, yay, die hard. But what if we really let scripture be the thing that drives the plot of our purpose, mo- of, the, of the meaning, if, if we really let scripture drive the, the, the plot of movies that are trying to show the meaning of Christmas, this is what the movie would really be about. It would be about a poor, rejected woman who goes through one of the most painfully difficult things in her life while warming herself in a completely unsanitary location when all of a sudden ruffians find her and want to talk to her while all she really wants to do is sleep, right? And then this woman has to flee the only country she's ever known in the middle of the night to escape political genocide, That's what the Christmas movie would actually be about. Like, that's the, like, if we want to get back to scripture and what the movie should, that's it. It's heartwarming. It's heartwarming. The movie would continue, and 2,000 years later, people would still know the name of this woman and her baby, and that baby would transform the entire world. There would be an opportunity for peace and hope and joy, and it was all birthed in the middle of these circumstances. Now, that's a Christmas movie. That's really the spirit of Christmas. Long before anybody could have even imagined the details of how all these things would happen, Isaiah in chapter 9 penned this picture of what the coming kingdom would be like. And he says this verse in chapter 9, verse 2. And if you want to open up your Bibles or pull it up on your phones, you can read along with us. But he says this. He says, this is what the kingdom's going to be like. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the deep darkness, a light has dawned. Now, this phrase that Isaiah uses, this deep darkness, is actually, like, originally, it's this made-up compound word that he created. It doesn't exist anywhere else. He creates it, and he calls it the death shadow. Those living in the death shadow, a light has dawned, right? Death and darkness have always been tied together, just like life and light is tied together. And really, I think where this comes from is because we all sort of recognize that if the sun goes out, we're all dead, right? In fact, there's a whole like science stuff that's written about if the sun goes out, let me tell you what will happen. And I don't want to take the time to figure all out, but basically we would suffocate, but long before we suffocate, we all just freeze to death. Like that's really, and, and, and we probably couldn't even build like warming chambers or oxygen chambers fast enough in order for us to survive that. So when the sun goes out, like we're done. Like that's, that's the end. If our light goes out, it's, we're finished. Now, when we read this, we quickly interpret this to be talking about those in spiritual darkness. Like those who are in spiritual darkness, there's going to be a waking light that's going to come. On those in spiritual darkness, there's going to be this light that's going to flash. But Isaiah doesn't mean this as just 
spiritual. He's actually talking about it physically too. And, and it's because every day we recognize that we are walking a day closer to the sun going out. We're walking a day closer to when our life will go out, right? Every one of us this year is a little bit more creaky than we were last year. And for those of you who are still like rising up into the creakiness, you're just, you're just getting older to get creaky. Like that's just what's happening. Like, and Merry Christmas, God bless us, everyone. You're all going to die someday. Like that's sort of what Isaiah is saying here. We are all, if we're not in complete darkness physically right now, we are all walking towards darkness. See, Die Hard is a Christmas movie. You're absolutely right. We have this imperfect sun in the sky that keeps us going, but only for so long. And every day we spend under the sun, not only is the sun slowly dying, we are too. And a day further along is a day closer to decaying. It's a day closer. We're walking deeper and deeper into the darkness of death, just like the sun. We will all eventually die. I know this is great. I, I deliver the best Christmas messages, don't I? Like, the past three weeks have been a doozy. <laughs> but the only way around this, this march towards death is if there is a light that exists that is apart from the sun that is in the sky. Something that can keep us alive, that is apart from that sun. It seems impossible, but if we go back to the story of creation, if we go all the way back to Genesis, what we recognize is that there is light that is created before the sun is created, right? On day one, God speaks into the emptiness, into the chaos, into the nothingness, and he says, let there be light. I was just having this conversation with my youngest because she wanted to review the facts. And I was like, well, she was like, first they create the sun. And I said, no, 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 first there's light. The sun doesn't come till later. And she's like, well, where does, where does the light come from? I don't know just says there was light that was apart from the sun. In Revelation, the last book in the Bible, remember that's the first book of the Bible, in the last book of the Bible, when God sort of creates this new perfect world, the city of God, that the kingdom of God has come in all of its fullness, and Jesus has returned once again here on earth, right? And suffering and death and disease and aging is gone. You know what there's not anymore? A sun. But it says that there is a light, that God and the Lamb is the light of the world. There's no more sun. What? Like, I don't have a conceptual, like, box to put all of those thoughts and ideas in. I don't know what that looks like. But what we see here is that in the kingdom of God, there is an ultimate light. And that light never dies. And whoever lives in that light never dies and never decays. And that is the new kingdom that we hope for. And when Christ was born, there was a light flash in the pan that said, hey, those of you who are in the death shadows, in the dark shadows, there is a light that has come. This is the new kingdom that we hope for. And Isaiah tells us um, that, that this begins with the gift of a baby boy. You can follow along in verse 6 and 7. Isaiah says, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. 
Now, those words in verse 7 have a lot of meaning, and we don't have a time to unpack all of them. In fact, actually, uh, on our, during our Christmas Eve time, we're actually going to look at those words and see what does that mean for us? What is the hope of this child that we call Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace? But what's important to note for today is that this baby isn't just any baby. This baby who is called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, this baby is God. This baby is something special. This is the God who has taken on flesh. Basically, what Isaiah is saying is that the darkness that was so deep, so filled with despair that neither you nor I could have any resources to navigate that darkness. That's where we were. And that we needed an almighty God to take on flesh to begin to set things right. Now, for those of you who are um, parents or who have ever watched squirrely little kids, you probably understand this a little bit, right? Uh, during the pandemic, I worked from home a lot. And my kids were virtual, so they were home a lot. And what would constantly happen is that I would be at my computer trying to get work done. And from the other side of the house, I would hear that there were some kerfluffling beginning, some scuffling happening. Normally it was over something that really shouldn't be fought over, but it was like, she took my, I don't know, she took this, he took that, whatever happened. Everyone begins arguing, nobody's sharing, all this stuff. And what is my response as the mom who is trying to get some work done? I send forth my words. Stop it! Stop fighting! Love each other! Be like Jesus to one another, right? I send forth my words trying to correct the problem, trying to instruct them on how to get out of this darkness, how to live well, right? Does it work? 99% of the time, it does not work. And then what happens is, I no longer send forth my words into the other room. I have to send my enfleshment into the other room. I get up from the chair, and I walk myself into the other room, and I try to sort out this whole mess because you crazy, monstrous children cannot figure out how to do this on your own, right? This is what God did. Over and over again, he sends his words to us through the prophets, through scripture. Hey, listen, this is what it looks like. This is how you walk in wisdom. This is how you walk in peace. Will you walk in my ways? Will you walk in my wisdom, in my statutes? And everyone's like, I can't figure it out. Or darkness is too great. And so God says, all right, I'm going to have to send myself in the flesh in order to help you sort this out, in order to be the light for you, to bring you to the place. I have to come down and fix these things that we couldn't fix on our own. And what Christmas is really about is that the world is so messed up, that the darkness is so perverse, that only God himself can bring light. And then he chose to bring it that Jesus, enfleshed in a baby, comes and is our light. 
Now, in the gospel accounts, we have several uh, stories of the birth of Christ and sort of different pieces to that, that we piecemeal together to sort of get a grand narrative of what this whole thing looks like. But in the gospel of John, he does something a little different. He doesn't give you the names or the people. He doesn't give you um, the narrative story. Instead, John talks about the imagery of who Christ is. He talks about Christ in this way. In John 1, 4 through 5, he says, And in him, in Christ, was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Right? John is referencing Isaiah. He's saying, hey, that light has dawned. That light has come. In the L, uh, in the T, N, L-T, uh, this last phrase, it says, the darkness can never be extinguished, right? That sun that will never die. The darkness, or the light can, or the darkness can never extinguish it, sorry. This is an inextinguishable light, and it's a gift for all of us. In fact, the only way that we receive this gift is actually by humbling ourselves and admitting that we actually need it, that we are in darkness and we need this light. I don't know if you've ever thought about it, but every time you receive a gift, at least most gifts, you're actually like, you, you take that gift and you're actually like admitting the fact that you need the gift, right? If somebody buys you a really nice blender and you like take it out of the box and set it up, rather than returning it, you are actually admitting that you need that blender. That that blender is actually better than the one you have or the one you don't have. And you're like, yes, I need this to blend all my things, right? If somebody gives you a book on boundaries and you say, thank you, and you crack it open and read it, you're admitting, hey, you probably have something to learn about boundaries right? If somebody gives you a book that's on healthy eating, you start reading it and you're like, yeah, I probably have something to learn about healthy eating. And, and that person, you might think in your head like, gosh, I, I have no boundaries and I don't know how to eat, but, but great. Thank you. Thank you. Sounds like a gift my sister would give me. Just kidding. I love you. <laughs> but now imagine that you're in a very different situation, a difficult financial place, and you're given a gift of a large sum of money that really could help you get out of that situation. To receive it would require you to swallow a lot of your pride and admit that you're not self-sufficient, that you can't make ends meet on your own, that you can't do it. A lot of us would refuse the gift. A lot of us would say, no, 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 no. I don't need that. I'm fine. But to receive this gift of Jesus, you've got to, like, it's not just like a little bit of swallowing your pride to say, yes, this blender is better than mine. This is a lot of swallowing your pride to say, I am so stuck in darkness. I am so messed up. I cannot do this or figure this life out on my own. Without you, Christ, I am just walking into the pit of darkness and death. But I believe that you are the one that brings light and life. In order to accept the gift of Jesus, you have to really admit that you're super messed up. You have to admit that the magic of Christmas is more than just a home for the holidays and, and uh, uh, more people around the table and, and extra merriment. We have to admit that we are in the shadow lands of death. 
And that's why Jesus can never really be understood as this sweet little baby who just makes us feel warm and fuzzy. No, in order to really accept Jesus, we have to recognize that God became flesh and to bring us life because that's how dark our darkness is. To really accept the gift of Jesus uh, that he gave us, we have to admit what bad shape we are. We have to admit that we're a sinner, that we need to be saved by grace. We need to give up control of our life and hand our life over to Jesus. And that is the low, low we have to go. And we might think, like, that's terrible. Why would anybody ever ask us to do that? Well, God, he came to the low, low of earth. And he's just saying, listen, I came to the low, low of earth for you. Will you let go of yourself and admit your need for me? And if we want the everlasting light that dawns in the middle of darkness, then we need to receive it as a gift. And we do so by lowering ourselves and releasing control. Now, for some of us, it doesn't take a lot for us to admit, like, oh, no, I'm in the deep, deep darkness. Like, hands up, got it. You're up faster than Die Hard is a Christmas movie, yes, right? You can admit that you're in the deep, deep darkness. But for others of us, we're like, mm, I'm not so bad. Like deep, deep darkness, I mean, maybe there's a little shadow. Like maybe like it's like 4 o'clock in the afternoon, but like I can see my way through. And for you, I, Christmas I don't think is that special, you can get the warm fuzzies and the Christmas cookies and all of that is great, but Christmas really doesn't have a purpose beyond exchanging gifts. But for those of us who can admit the depths of darkness that we're really in, Jesus comes and brings life and it and light and it changes everything. And so my invitation for you this morning is, is to just reflect on where you think you are. If you're in a place where you're like, no, I'm not that bad, that's okay, like, that's fine. But why do you think that? What are the lights that you think are holding on to and are they going out? Will they eventually die? If they're things like wealth and my position and my relationships, are those always going to last? Or are those like the sun that will slowly die out? Because Christ offers this everlasting life, this everlasting light that will never die, and those who stand in it will never perish. Will you go ahead and pray with me? Father God, I am so grateful for um, the message of Christmas, that it is not for those of us who can just like uh, pull ourselves together and make Christmas happen and, and, and be warmed by the cookies and the decorations. But instead, you tell us a story that for those of us who are in the deep shadow land, that there is a light that has come that can change everything. God, we long for your kingdom. We long for things to change. We long for your son to be present and to lead us out of this darkness. Father, would you begin to show us what that looks like to walk that out, to humble ourselves and admit that we need you. Father God, we pray all these things in your holy and precious name. Amen. Amen.